you weren't willing to stand up to this man though when he was like doing things that were bad for your country um but only when he like hit on this woman that you're like you're like hang on a second now i gotta lay down the law whoa whoa whoa. hey 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 it's like very batman like no it's personal yeah, like, Hello, hello, hello. Hello, sweet sleepover squad babies. <laughs> How are you? How is the season? We hope it's going well. Yes, I hope it's going very well. I hope you are all more prepared to give gifts than I am. I'm so ill prepared. <laughs> I have so many gifts I still need to buy. I, it like, yeah, I'm actually shocked at how ill prepared I am. Mm hmm. So please DM us if you have any ideas, <laughs> gifts for like, for parents specifically mm. is really what I'm struggling with at the moment. Yeah. yeah. It's hard. It's hard. Um, but before we continue, I think we should introduce our wonderful guest today. Absolutely. We have Vi- one of Viacom CBS's most talented, young, youthful, intelligent, but also beautiful colleagues. Yes. Miss Monica Mulhall. Hello. I'm not British. I'm sorry. Just in the mood. Just had to get it out of the way. Had to get it um, out. Hi, ladies. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. I'm so excited. Yes, Monica is a, a longtime loyal listener on the pod, has had many, yeah. many, many mentions in previous episodes. So whenever you hear us talking about a Monica, this is her. This is her. That's me. Um... <laughs> This is so fun. This feels very sleepover vibes right now. It's I feel like we're all hanging out. It's so nice. That's that's what we aim I love for. That. Yeah. Yeah. Well, today we have quite the film. Uh, another very highly requested movie that you guys wanted us to cover, oh, and yeah. also one that we had talked about wanting to have on the schedule anyways. So it worked mm-hmm. out very nicely. Today we are doing 2003's Love Actually. Oh my gosh. I was so excited to watch this movie. This is my first viewing ever. Wild. And that is insane to me. I know, I know it sounds insane. But I do have to say, last year was my first time watching the holiday because of the pod. Yeah. This year is my first time watching Love Actually. And I'm like, y'all are giving me movie recommendations. Like I really like this movie and I re I love the holiday. Like Mm -hmm. I enjoyed that so much. Yeah. So props to you guys for great recommendations. Yeah. There's really something about like UK Christmas rom-coms. Like they're doing something right that the U.S. is not doing. They really are. It's so charming. It feels so Mm -hmm. cozy and just, it's just so sweet. I think people feel more real too. Mm -hmm. Mm, I agree with that. Mm Um, Monica, this is one of your favorite films. So we would love to hear a little bit about your relationship to Love Actually. Oh my gosh, this is my number one favorite Christmas movie. I had to think Mm -hmm. like the holiday and the family stone like creep up on it Mm -hmm. ever so closely, but this probably has to be number one. I first watched it in high school. Mm -hmm. We had like the DVD Mm -hmm. at my house and I would watch it at one point for like a couple of years. I would watch it every week until Christmas after Thanksgiving to Christmas. Oh my gosh. Uh, It's just like such a crazy movie it felt like Mm -hmm. such a relic as like 
whatever millennial Gen Z like cusp to watch a mm-hmm. 2003 movie where all of this like shit is coming together. It's like the first like ensemble holiday movie like that kind of preceded the Gary Marshalls of like Valentine's mm. Day and New Year's yes. Eve, whatever. Oh, yeah. So like it definitely had that appeal to me because I was very into those kinds of movies. Mm-hmm. But it stuck with me um, after all these years because um, I think that the plot line that you identify with definitely says a lot about you. Yes. Or maybe not even identify with, but just the one that like speaks to you the most. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, I sound like a Teen Vogue, like magazine <laughs> quiz right now, like, which club actually plot line? But um, yeah, and I think the fact that that's not necessarily static is mm-hmm. really cool as well. Like when I first watched this, I liked a completely different plot line than I like now. And we can talk about mm-hmm. that later. We can get into it. But like, yeah. it's just insane. It's just mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think it speaks to all ages. It like runs the whole gamut. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's just my favorite Christmas movie. Oh, oh my gosh. Well, I'm very excited to have your expertise on this episode. Um, I only watched this for the first time when I was a freshman in college because my mom actually sent me the DVD in a care package and <gasps> oh, I invited whoa. one of my friends over and we got a big giant Joe's pizza and had some wine and watched love actually because my laptop had a DVD like disc drive still um yeah and it was a great time I was like wow this movie is so delightful I'd always wanted to watch it I had seen like the screen caps on tumblr forever and it really gave me everything that I needed in like a solid Christmas rom-com so it's been like a favorite in my rotation since then Uh, all about that there are absolutely so many different like things to latch onto in the mm-hmm. movie. I did not think that it was going to be such an all ages mm-hmm. like cast or like just even the array of love stories that happened. Yeah, I just have I'm like ready to get into it cuz I'm like literally like chomping at the bit. I'm like <laughs> so much to say. Oh yeah. We can do some some quick and dirty facts before we jump in. So it had a 40 million well between like 40 and 45 million dollar budget. And it made uh, $246.8 million at the box office. So I would say a big success for sure. Huge. Um, I also mm-hmm. read that it was the most rented movie in the UK in the year of 2004 when it was on DVD. Wow. wow. Yeah. Um, it was also Richard Curtis's directorial debut. Uh, he's gone on to do a lot and a lot, a lot of rom-coms, but this was his first one that he directed. And originally he was working on two different scripts, one like about the prime minister storyline and one about the Jamie storyline. But because they were kind of similar, mm-hmm. he ended up mushing them together and then Love Actually was born. That's crazy. He has such yeah. a clear point of view in this movie too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, That's wild. It's really a talent to be able to manage so many different pieces of the puzzle, mm-hmm. but without like taking away from that whole point of the movie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think with that being said, we should just dive in because there is much to unpack. Certainly. All right, so we open up to the arrival area at Heathrow Airport. We see people reuniting, you know, couples reuniting, families reuniting, and we hear a narration about this person who, whenever they get gloomy about the state of the world, thinks about the arrivals gate at Heathrow Airport. 
And they say, general opinions started to make out that we live in a world of hatred and greed. But I don't see that. Seems to me that love is everywhere. Otherwise, it's not particularly dignified or newsworthy, but it's always there. Fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, husbands and wives, boyfriends, girlfriends, old friends. When the planes hit the twin... Okay, yeah. Realizing that this is like right post 9-11. Yeah. Um, And they say, when the planes hit the twin towers, as far as I know, none of the phone calls from the people about to pass away were messages of hate and revenge. They were all messages of love. If you look for it, I've got a sneaky feeling that you'll find love actually is all around. So pretty like romantic and like heavy mm-hmm. and just yeah. like heartfelt from the very beginning. Oh, yeah. It it sets a great tone. I mean, the writing in this movie is so good, but I think it's such a mm-hmm. perfect opening monologue for what we're about to see. Definitely. So the next thing we know... We head to a recording studio where Billy Mac, a.k.a. Bill Nahi, is in the studio laying down a track. He is doing a Christmas cover of his song, Love is All Around, and it's being changed to <laughs> Christmas is All Around. Trying to make a comeback out here. It's rough. <laughs> it's a rough time. Man cannot help himself from singing the old lyrics. Can't blame him because the new ones are pretty awful. Real bad. And uh, he does manage to finally make it through. He's singing, Christmas is all around me. And his manager, (laughs) Joe, is in, you know, the studio with him. And Billy is like, is this song shit? And he's like, it's solid gold shit, maestro. The making of a new Christmas classic, perhaps. Who's to say? Oh, absolutely. The Mm -hmm. way that I still sing, I feel it in my fingers. I feel it in my toes all the time (laughs) to this day. I really think about it a lot. I feel like I've heard Christina say that a lot. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) I feel like what I love about this character is that you can see all of his weird little like twitches and he like talks Mm. a little bit slow. He's giving like really like sick old rocker vibes. It's really fun to me. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. He's so good. Um, So the music swells and we're at five weeks till Christmas broadcast on the screen. We're getting different shots of like Christmas market. We're clearly in London and we go into Jamie, Colin Firth's house. He's running late to a wedding and his girlfriend is staying home in like a cozy little cable knit turtleneck, Mm -hmm. no pants because she is sick. Yes. He tells her he loves her even when she's sick and looks disgusting, which might resonate later, actually. Um, (laughs) And she tells him to go before he misses this wedding. And he's like, okay. And he like gives her a kiss and he goes to rush out the door. He goes out, he sneaks back in and he's like, did I mention that I love you? Because this guy like wants it so bad. This is like big boyfriend energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he is like Mr. Commitment. Your man could never like very like. Literally, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And she's like, yes, now go. And she's like, get the fuck out of here. (laughs) Oh my God. I just, I mean, like this is a slight spoiler for what's to come. But I'm like, you have Colin Firth and you fumble the bag like that. I don't understand it. For like a dick. Yeah. You turned down a wedding. I would never turn down a wedding. No. An excuse never to like dress up and drink champagne. I'm there. Wild. Wild to me. Could never be me. Mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> you're unbelievable. Kristen writes, <laughs> I don't remember this scene in Taken. <laughs> so 
Daniel, played by Liam Neeson, who I just was informed by my boyfriend that he has a problem pissing his pants every time he gets drunk. Yeah. And this is highly documented. <laughs> highly documented. There are so many photos. That's insane. Look it up if you're unfamiliar. <laughs> I've never heard this. Oh, my God. Yeah. You, I'm like, my man, get your, your, your prostate checked. I'm actually <laughs> concerned. So Daniel picks up the phone and calls Karen. Um, he apologizes for calling again. And he's like, I just, you know, don't have anyone else to talk to. And Karen's like, of course, I, I totally get it. But this is actually really horrible timing. Can I call you back? And he's like, oh, yeah, sure. And she's like, it doesn't mean I'm not concerned that your wife just died. <laughs> so we're being introduced to a lot of details here. Mm-hmm. One being that Daniel's wife just passed away. And Karen is like a mother who's got a lot on her shoulders. Yeah. Uh, so she hangs up the phone. Karen is also uh, Dame Emma Thompson, in case you were unfamiliar. Dame? Yeah, she's a dame, I believe. Right? I. How does that even so. happen? Let me fact check this real quick, because I think she is, is a dame. Is Julie Andrews also a dame? Yes, yes. And Maggie Smith is as well. And Judy Dench. Dame Judy Dench. Mm. I feel like she's mm. the one you hear dame in front of the most. Like, yes. Emma Thompson is a dame. There ain't there nothing like a dame. Look at mm-hmm. her. Damn. Yes. The best thing you can get as like a famous actress in America is like, I met the president, but you don't get to be like a dame. <laughs> yeah, there's no damedom. Damedom in America? <laughs> Ladyship? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Um, yeah, so Dame Emma Thompson, a.k.a. Karen, she hangs up the phone and her daughter comes up and she's like, we've been given our parts in the nativity play. And she's like, oh, that's so amazing. What are you? And she says, I'm the lobster, the first lobster. And Emma Thompson goes, was there more than one lobster present at the birth of Jesus? Which is an excellent question. And according to to this nativity play, it is true. There were actually three. There's also an octopus. Mm-hmm. And a little baby Spider-Man, too. So I'm really not too sure about it. Yeah. A big blue whale as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Let's be Very cool. Made out of paper mache. So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, we apologize in advance to all of our British listeners. That joke is that we're bad at accents, not your is accents. That we're bad. At, yeah. Yeah. Don't worry, we're self-aware. Yep. Yep. <laughs> You can't cancel me if I cancel myself first. Bada bing, bada boom. True. Strong and wrong, as Mariah mm-hmm. said to me today. Um, mm. Yeah. Um, so. I'll actually get canceled. <laughs> I'm going to get canceled. Here we go. Oh, my gosh. Um, so cut to this office. It looks like a marketing office. Um, mm-hmm. Colin, who I can't identify the actor, he kind of looks like – Oh, this is mean. This is gonna get me canceled. He kind of looks like. <laughs> oh, Colin his- was on. Shit. Was he on Skins? I think he was in the zombie movie, the the English zombie movie, Shaun of the Dead. Yes. Oh. oh. Well, I was gonna say <laughs> he looks like Lucas Lucas Graybeal's like uglier big brother, and uh- <laughs> devastating. I thought I'm you were so going to say I thought you were going to say he looks like generic brand Domhnall Gleeson was what I thought you were going to say. Oh. <laughs> no, I think it's a little a little yeah. screwed up in the face for that, but that's just 
That's just my taste. Um, yes. Anyway, uh, so Colin. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> She's brutal, lady. Honestly, um, so <laughs> he comes into Colin comes into the office to deliver everyone's food. He hits on Mia, who's like, she has this like sharp black bob. She's mm-hmm. like the receptionist at this office. Big blue eyes. He's like, I got this job to fuck. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's we'll the get to that later. Split, yeah. But um, <laughs> uh, he's like, good morning, my future wife. And she just walks away. She's not interested. He has mm-hmm. no power here. And yeah. we cut to a set. It's like this lavish like hotel lobby. And mm-hmm. I'm so stoked that I get to be the one that talks about this. Um, <laughs> Jack, Bilbo Baggins himself, and mm-hmm. Judy, who is credited in the credits as just Judy. Yeah. Are... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's a simple girl, that Judy. Uh, mm-hmm. They're mimicking doggy style against like this big column on the set. Um, it's determined or it's laid out for us rather that they're stand-ins. Um, yeah, yeah. And he like yeah. drops a line. He's like, oh yeah, when I stood in for Brad Pitt, it was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. definitely like, they're both just like mega nerds. You would never expect these people to get naked for a living. And yeah. um, this gentleman tells them to stop so they can adjust the lighting. And it's really awkward. He's like, uh, if you can just like massage the nipples and like, it's very yeah. like, <laughs> it's so yeah, strange. <laughs> So uncomfortable. It's like yeah. I think that this is cut. Uh, I mean, speaking from like my mm-hmm. POV, I think this is cut out of the cable version that you it see. It is. Yeah. yeah. I was reading mm-hmm. that it's always cut, and they do cut some other stuff too. But even then, it's still three hours with commercials. It's so long. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. That's like a bitch to schedule. I'll tell you that. And oh, so yeah. um, that's annoying, but mm-hmm. they cut out this, um, which I guess makes sense. This feels very British to me. Yeah. But anyway, they introduce themselves to each other, and she's like, I'm just Judy. And he's like, oh, great, just Judy. And just Judy, so she is. Yes. <laughs> That's, That's all you get. Yeah. I do love that he is never creepy. Like, mm-hmm. his storyline isn't that he's creepy. It's just that they're, like, meeting at work, but their jobs are really, like, out there. Oh, yeah. They have the most innocent, like, romance out of anyone. Out of anyone. Yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Love them. Mm-hmm. Love them, BFFs. So <laughs> cut to Peter and Mark. Ooh. Peter and Mark, also BFFs. They are BFFs. And sorry, I get these. I've been getting their names confused like the entire fucking time. (laughs) So Peter makes Mark promise that there are no surprises. Peter is getting married and Mark is his best friend. And he's like, no, no, no. Like I would never. (laughs) And Peter is waiting at the end of his aisle for his beautiful bride, Juliet, played by Kira Knightley. A fresh, like, 18-year-old Kira Knightley. She's 18? Yeah. Maybe even 17. Oh, yeah, I think she-, she might have been 17 when they shot it and 18 when it came out. I did not look like that when I was 17. I will never look like that, <laughs> and I am far past 17. <laughs> I could never pull off feathers the way Kira no. Knightley pulled off feathers at this. Absolutely not. At 17, yeah. at 25, absolutely not. Yes. Yeah. Her eyes are just, like, stunning. Mm-hmm. But I digress. So (laughs) 
What happens next? Oh, the prime minister was just elected (laughs) and it's Hugh Grant, bitches. So he gets to his insane palace in like the cheapest little car I've ever seen. So I don't understand that at all. But everyone is cheering for him. They're like, we have the hottest prime Mm -hmm. minister ever elected. They couldn't be more thrilled. And he walks into his new house as the prime minister And he is introduced by his assistant to the new staff of the house. They go through, um, there's like an older gentleman, an older woman, and then Natalie, a bit Mm. younger. Um, She's like the catering manager. And she accidentally calls him David instead of prime minister. She's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Shit. (laughs) And then she's like, I can't believe I said shit. And I think that this woman is the mom in Angus Thongs and Perfect Snogging. No, that's a different woman. Okay, well, they could be related, <laughs> is my point here. Both just dark-haired so British women. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And then, <laughs> so he's introduced to Natalie. This whole happen- This whole thing happens, and he's like, well, at least you didn't say fuck. And he's like, that would have been a problem. And she's like, I know. I, I This morning I thought I was going to fuck up, but I didn't. <laughs> er, and so I did. And, like, she's just, like, putting her foot in her mouth left mm-hmm. and right. So his assistant takes him away to the next room. But as he is walking off to his new office, he looks back at her. And yeah. he gets into his office and just, like, he's like, oh, no, this is so inconvenient because the man has a crush. Absolutely. Insane. And I think this sets the scene so nicely because he's like, this is going to be a problem that I have this crush. This Mm -hmm. is not like a power hungry man who's like, oh, sweet. I've got this hot chick around like and she's clearly like this is the era of like post Monica Lewinsky. Right. And so this is very clear. She is supposed to be that they stick her in a beret at the end. It's a whole Mm -hmm. thing. And so. They even bring in like Bill Clinton later, but whatever, we'll get to that. And yeah, like, that's um, so funny. <laughs> so I do feel like this could be dicey. Like a lot mm-hmm. of these situations with that we're going to get to, we're not even like yeah. halfway through them all, right? But like, mm-hmm. he, I don't know, just saying like, this is going to be a problem. This is inconvenient for me. Yeah. Yeah. He's very like respectful throughout the whole thing. He never really like crosses a line into like hitting on her in like a gross way. It's just like, mm-hmm oh, I like this person, but I'm not trying to cross that line until later on. But um, yeah, I I do like that they handled it more so in this way as opposed to something that could be very gross. Or even like in that era, they could have written something that like they thought was earnest enough at the time, Mm -hmm. but like came off cringe, like Mm -hmm. in a later viewing, like some stuff in this movie, honestly. But like this is laid out very like this girl's, so adorable what do I do Mm -hmm. you know and she is she's really charming and sweet oh totally she is really charming Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so next thing we know we are back at the wedding it's kind of like the end of the ceremony they are pronounced husband and wife they kiss everybody is like applauding in the in the pews audience I guess in the pews and as they're about to walk down the aisle Peter leans over to Mark and he's like, oh, like, I'm surprised you resisted the temptation for any surprises. And he's like, oh, me, I would never. Next thing we know, a choir begins to sing All All You Need Is Love. And this man steps out mm-hmm. who I have always assumed was somebody famous, but never 
really yeah. new because I'm not British. And I did look it up and he is somebody famous. Let me find his name because I wrote it down. Oh, wow. Yes, it is Lyndon David Hall. Um, they all sing. It's amazing. All of a sudden out of the pews pop all these horn players. There's like flautist. There's a guy on the electric guitar. And we see Mark just like sneakily filming them with his little camera. And Peter and Juliet are delighted. Can I ask a question? Yes. I noticed this like on my last watch at Thanksgiving. Do you think that they have musically gifted friends. Do you think that their friends learned musical instruments or do you think that they hired like seat fillers? Like, can you imagine being Kira Knightley and being like, oh, I don't know, like half the people here. Like, <laughs> I never thought about that. I guess I kind of always assumed that they were just like hired musicians, but it's I a small too. church and they're taking up a lot of space. <laughs> I'm so curious. I think at that moment, you know, you're walking down the aisle, you don't notice anything. That's yeah. true. I'm not, I'm sorry. I'm not looking at you guys at that point. I'm like. <laughs> but I did think that they were hired just off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. That was always my assumption as well. But I was like, wait. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. So after this wedding, notable guest, Jamie, who we just saw in the pews. Yes. Stops back home. He's not going to cocktail hour. He is stopping home to check on his girlfriend. Ladies, a man will never. Respectful king. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. He has my nomination. and I agree. (laughs) Oh, you got to start writing these down. So nice. And so (laughs) Iron Man literally would never. Um, (laughs) And so he sees his brother when he walks in. He's like, oh, okay. Oh, my deadbeat brother. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What's he doing here? Um, He seems okay with it, though, because he's like Mm. ready to talk to him. He's like, oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. What are you doing here? Huh? And he's like, I think we've got to take mom out for her birthday. I just, I, I really feel like we've been bad sons this year. I don't think Colin Firth has been a bad son, yeah. but I think his freaking brother has. Because mm-hmm. then we hear his girlfriend from the bedroom yell, I'm naked and I want you at least twice before Jamie gets home. <laughs> First of all, like, <laughs> who yells that? <laughs> like, and she also, I think she's like, hurry up, big boy, or something yes. like that. I just can't imagine, like, resenting someone so much that you would do that to them. Yeah. Like, behind their backs so blatantly. And I understand that there are, like, I, I do understand that there are situations where it's like you've been with someone a really long time. Like, I don't think everyone who cheats is, like, a horrible person. You know, I don't know everyone's circumstances. But, like, that way to be like I'm having so much fun and like fuck him and like come over here before I like yeah you know before he gets back like it's just so awful like it makes me so upset and with his brother yeah. too like That's oh my like god particularly awful to me mm-hmm. it's like just leave him for the brother like why yeah. are you still like what what's yeah. in it for you like I guess the brother yeah. probably treats her like shit or like maybe Jamie's mm-hmm makes more money as an author than authors generally do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's also to be like, I hate my brother enough that I would do this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Also fucked on the brother's part big time. Mm -hmm. Um, But the brother seems like a shitty dude all around because when Jamie's like, oh, yeah, we should take mom around for like her birthday. And he was like, sounds really boring, but okay." I'm like, oh, yeah. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) It's your mom. What's wrong with you? (sighs) Oh. So then, back at the reception, 
Colin is now a catering waiter and he is trying to hit on every woman who's mm-hmm. alone. Um, Nancy, this woman that he meets, um, he starts chatting with and he's like, uh, the food does not look too good. Like I wouldn't eat this either. And he tries it and it's like spits it out essentially. And like, <laughs> it's really bad. Like, and she's like, you know, what do you do? And she's like, I'm a cook. And he's like, oh, do you do weddings? And she's like, I do. And he's like, oh, you should have done this wedding. And she's like, or they should have asked you to do this wedding. Mm -hmm. And she's like, they did ask me. And he's like, well, I wish to God you hadn't said no. And she's like, I didn't. (laughs) Yikes. Pretty rough. Pretty rough. Yeah. So he then immediately goes into the back where his friend Tony, who we also met earlier on the movie set, um, is mm-hmm. sitting having lunch. Oh, and he's, he's the director or like – He's like a PA, a I assume. DP. Yeah. Yeah, yeah something yeah. like that. And Colin's like, oh, the reason that I can't find love is that English girls are just too stuck up and I'm more attractive to girls who are more game for a laugh. And he's like, you know what I got to do? I got to go to America. I'm going to find a girlfriend instantly there. And honestly – He's not wrong. If you're like a British guy in America, I imagine you'd do pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, you'd be pulling some tail. Yeah, yeah. And Tony's like, that's ridiculous. And Colin's like, no, like I have this cute accent. It will win them over. Again, he's not really wrong there. He's not wrong at all. Yeah. (laughs) And Tony's like, Colin, you just need to accept that you are a lonely, ugly asshole. So pretty brutal. Yeah. The thing I do like about the British, though, is that they're always like, you little fucking troll. And everyone's like, ha, ha, ha. It's like, you're like, a fucking piece I'm of shit. I'm glad you just laugh about these things. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, yeah, but sweet Colin doesn't take this to heart at all. He's like, I am Colin, god of sex. I'm just in the wrong continent. Oh, my gosh. Unreal. Unreal. <sighs> um, Speaking yeah. of sex, let's cut back to Jack and Judy. Um, yeah. Wow, I realized I spoiled a lot of this scene because I thought it was one long scene. I like... <laughs> oh, that's okay. <laughs> it hops around so much. It's so hard mm-hmm. to keep track of. It's crazy. Okay, so they are making small talk about traffic. Still like in doggy at this pole, um, mm-hmm. this column. And Tony, who we determined to be the PA, maybe the DP, um, mm-hmm. Colin's friend. <laughs> this predates the intimacy coordinator days so I guess he's yes. not that but um yeah. <laughs> he tells Judy that they need to take their top off because of the lighting and the camera and they need to know when they're gonna see the nipples um mm-hmm. and so she's like oh at least it's nice and warm in here and Judy's just like adorable she's like a little like yeah. slice of like angel food cake like she's mm-hmm. just <laughs> yeah precisely <laughs> like so rosy and cute um and so jack tells the story about him standing in for brad pitt and you're kind of like okay you're flexing a little bit mm-hmm. and he's like well it was bloody freezing when i stood in for brad pitt in seven years <laughs> in tibet um this man doesn't look like brad pitt um not at all he's literally like the hobbit but um <laughs> yeah i'm like what yeah <laughs> but, uh, gd takes off her top her bra they like reassume their positions and tony like comes back it's kind of like a like rule of threes kind of thing and Mm -hmm. he asks jack to put his hands on her boobs and like massage them massage them and he like (laughs) warms up his hand he's like let me warm up for you let me get these like (laughs) (laughs) it's just like so 
I wish a man would like warm up his hands. That's so nice. A man will never. Maybe it's a professional courtesy. It's just like we're like we're like he uh, he didn't spit on me, ladies. A man will never, (laughs) and it's so true. It's so true. Never. Um, And then they go back to talking about traffic because it's just another day at the office for them. Yeah. Yeah. My gosh. With that being settled, we do jump to the funeral scene. (laughs) So Daniel is giving the eulogy at his wife, Joe's funeral, and he talks about how he and his wife had a lot of requests for this day. Um, It's kind of implied that maybe she had like a chronic illness or cancer Mm -hmm. or something because it was like they could see the death coming. Yeah. And one of these requests was that he bring Claudia Schiffer as his date and that was like a joke, but um, she had one request that she was very clear about. So she's going to say her final farewell through not only him, but ever so coolly through the immortal um, genius of the Bay City Rollers. So goodbye, baby plays as they bring her coffin down the aisle. And there's this montage of Daniel and Joe and her son, um, Samuel. So then we cut back to the wedding and it's the reception. People are dancing and Mark is watching as Juliet and Peter are dancing together. And we see Sarah, a.k.a. Laura Linney, watching him and she poor poor Laura Lenny. this poor woman i i mean well if we're gonna talk about characters that we resonate with unfortunately laura and i soul sisters i hate i hate it but it's the case i hear you i yeah <laughs> i yeah. really hear you um i feel like we've always aligned on this um mm-hmm. yep yeah honestly the joan of arc of this movie laura lynn mm-hmm. <laughs> sacrificial lamb if you will absolutely absolutely (laughs) oh my gosh yeah she sees him and she scoots her chair over and she's like do you love him and he's like i'm sorry what and she's like i just thought i would ask it bluntly in case it was the right question and you needed someone to talk about it and no one had ever asked you and he's like no i'm not i'm not in love with peter that's not what's going on here and she's like okay okay that's fine so Mark then very swiftly changes the topic and he they start talking about how like terrible this DJ is and how it all hangs in the balance of the next song. The next song is Puppy Love. Obviously terrible, terrible DJ. And they agree that he is in fact the worst DJ in the world. Pretty bold of Laura Linney to like insinuate that he's gay in 2004. Yeah. Yeah, but she's an American. (laughs) Yeah. It happens one more time as well where I was like, oh, wow, this is actually being handled very chillly, very coolly, where um, Liam Neeson asks Sam, like, oh, so, like, this girl or a guy that you have a crush on? And he's like, it's a girl. I was like, okay, for 2003? Yeah. Okay, Brits, go up. Yeah. So speaking of puppy love, um. Mm. Assistant Mia, hot girl Mia, um, comes into Harry, Alan Rickman's office. And may he rest in peace. God bless Mm, Alan Rickman. Um, And he's, like, asking how she's doing. She's like, oh, I'm fine. He's like, are you settling in okay? And she's like, yeah. But she's, like, a little flirty. She's giving him kind Mm -hmm. of a vibe. And you're like, this is weird. You're his assistant. Um, But anyway, Sarah comes in, um, Laura Linney. And he asks her how long she's been working here at this office. 
And she's like, two years, seven months, three days. And I suppose, meh, what, two hours? Okay, savant vibes on Laura Linney <laughs> here. Um, yeah. And he's like, and how long have you been in love with Carl, our enigmatic chief designer? She's like, uh, two years, seven months, three days. And I suppose an hour and 30 minutes. Ooh, girl, ouch, ouch. Uh, And she's like, does everyone know? And he's like, yes. She's like, does Carl know? And he's like, yes. And he he like does it in such a toss away kind of way. That was a great impression. (laughs) It was very good. Funny to me. And um, he's like, I think the time has come that you do something about it. Like, you should ask him out for a drink and like make a move and let him know that you want to have lots of sex and babies. And she's yes. like, okay, boss. Thanks boss. And then <laughs> Carl, who is maybe the hottest man on the planet. Carl. It's stupid. <laughs> it's stupid how hot this man is. Oh, Carl's hot. And then you realize later that he's like from, I don't even know, like the Basque country or something. Yeah. Because he has an accent. He's not Mm -hmm. from England. He's for sure not. He's just like, I'm like getting hot just thinking about it. Oh no, like my heart is beating so fast just thinking about it. And Laura's is too, because he passes her on his way in as she's walking out and she utters the classic line in this movie Hi, Carl. And then (laughs) her phone rings, um, her second classic line in this movie. And um, she asks Mia to turn down the music and she's like, "What, What is this? Like, and sure enough, <laughs> Billy Mac. Billy Mac. Yep. He is in the DJ booth at a radio station, Radio Watford. And he says that the song is absolute dog shit. Not Billy Mac. The DJ says this, that it's mm. absolute dog sh- shit. But then his coworker is like, don't fucking say that. He is next on my show. And he's like, Oh, blah, blah, blah. Um, He's about to be on my friend Mike's show in a minute. Like, welcome him back. So we go to Mike's show. And Mike asks Billy how Love All Around is back. And Billy is like, yes. But this time we've changed the word um, love to Christmas. And he's like, okay, like, you know, is that an important message for you? And he's like, not really. Christmas is a time for people with someone they love in their lives. And when I was young and successful, I was greedy and foolish. And now I'm left with no one, wrinkled and all alone. So Mike is like, wow, like, thank you for giving an honest answer. We don't hear that a ton. And Bill's like, oh, you can ask me anything. And he asks, who's the greatest shag he's ever had? And Billy says, Britney Spears. Oh, I'm just joking. She was shit. (laughs) So then they kind of go back to talking about the song and Billy is like, you know what? I know this record is terrible. We all know it's terrible. But instead of having some like teenage pop star with like the Christmas number one, wouldn't it be great for it to be like an old ex-heroin addict trying to make a comeback? And he says into the mic, if you believe in Father Christmas children, like your Uncle Billy does, buy my festering turd of a record. And they're like, okay, <laughs> and on that cue, let's play it again. Christmas is all around. Um, and then we cut to a more professional setting. Um, the Prime Minister, mm-hmm. Prime Minister Hugh Grant, is getting ready for the visit with the U.S. president that is impending 
one of the party's party members says that they can't allow themselves to be bullied like the last government and the prime minister, however, has decided not to take a stand since America is so powerful. He's not going to act like a petulant child. And this is the beginning of like kind of a vague like conflict between America mm. and Great Britain. <laughs> like, yeah. We never really know what the problem is, but it's bad. And so mm-hmm. um, he then is like, who do you have to shag around here to get a cup of tea and a chocolate biscuit? And then Natalie comes in. Um, mm. That's who. And yeah. so we, <laughs> <laughs> we, we cut to the office um, and Natalie brings Hugh Grant some papers. He's just prime minister, right? Like he doesn't have a name. The only time they reference him by name David. is David, David, and only Natalie calls him David. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay. Um, <laughs> I just oh, it's David, not Dan. I thought she said Dan. Daniel is Sam's stepdad. Liam Neeson. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, so Natalie brings <laughs> Prime Minister Hugh Grant uh, <laughs> some papers and <laughs> chocolate biscuits. He didn't even have to shag her. Um, yeah. And she's like, oh, I was hoping you'd win. It'd be nice for the other guy. But he just had boring biscuits with no chocolate. He's like, thanks, Natalie. Um, mm-hmm. And it's really uncomfortable. Like, I think he says Natalie, like, as she's walking out the door. Like, it's really weird. Yeah. And after she leaves, he, like, tells himself to get a grip. Like, he can't. <laughs> he can't stand it. Yeah. <laughs> Back on set, Jack and Judy are just continuing with their work their workspace and um they stand and actually i think at this point they're lying on the bed yeah yeah um and jack asks about the new prime minister and tony is like um lower the nipple and and uh cheat to the left and like her breasts are pretty much in his face yeah um but she's like oh i do like the new prime minister etc etc and Jack is like, oh, it's just so nice to, you know, work with someone you can actually talk to. And she's like, same here. And then he headbutts her breasts because of the angle that she's like leaning over him. She's like, oh, sorry. So the next thing we know, our boy Colin tells Tony that he has bought his ticket to the U.S. and he has chosen Wisconsin. Um, and we do have a Wisco mm-hmm. girl in the house on this recording as we speak. Uh, I am the Wisconsin correspondent on this yes, episode. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> she brought cheese curds. I brought cheese curds <laughs> for everybody. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he leaves in three weeks. And Tony is like, all right, like, I'll admit there are some babes in America, but they only go out with rich, attractive guys. And Colin is like, I bet you at any bar in America, there are 10 girls more beautiful and more likely to sleep with me than the whole of the UK. And says that stateside, he is Prince William, but without the weird family. Mm-hmm. As a Wisconsin girl, I can confirm he would probably get it. Like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, cut to the office. Um, and Harry, Alan Rickman, big boss, is planning the office Christmas party with um, his doe-eyed assistant, Mia. And he mm-hmm. tells her how much he hates it. He's like, there's lots of guacamole. And she's like, <laughs> he's really kind of a grinch. You have to like, buy guacamole yeah. in bulk. <laughs> and I can say, as like an office assistant who has had to plan the Christmas party, it does mm-hmm. suck. And this might yeah. be the moment where I feel for Mia if she wasn't trying to shoot her shot yeah so he's like 
you know, she's like, oh, can families come? And he's like, partners, but no children. Mm. He's like, do you have a horrible, you know, six foot two tight t-shirt wearing boyfriend? And she's like, no, I'll just be spending the whole night around the mistletoe, hoping to be kissed. And I'm like, shut your face. Would you ever say that to your boss? Never. (laughs) I would never, ever, ever. Laying it on so thick. Oh, my gosh. And I know that we don't really respect workplace boundaries as, like, Laura Mm -hmm. Linney has experienced with Alan Rickman. But this is, like, eight miles too far. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because this is a married man. Yeah. It's a married man. Maybe that's not. Married man. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So – Cut back to Daniel, who is um, talking to Karen about how his son is just always in his room. And she's like, oh, you know what? It's the same with Bernard. Like, don't worry about it too much. And she's like, I don't know. I'm just afraid there's something wrong. It's like maybe he's injecting heroin into his eyeballs. And he tells Karen that his mother always used to talk to him. But now being his stepfather everything matters more like it never did before, which I really can't imagine being like a step parent coming in when you already have that, like, like you really have to forge your own relationship Mm -hmm. and then to have like your biological mom taken away. Like that's so tough for a child. And Karen's like, you know what? You just need to be patient and check the room for needles. She's so blunt with him. Yeah. And then he tells her that sometimes Sam will come out of his room and he's clearly been crying. And Daniel begins to cry himself. But Karen is like very straightforward with him. She's like, I need you to get a grip. Like no one's going to go out with like a sad sack. Yeah. Yeah. She says she's like, no one's going to shag you if you've been crying all the time. What is their relationship? Are they just close friends? They're just besties. Yeah. Like I always kind of wish that they would like gravitate towards each other. Me too. I mean, they're wearing, like, matching gray sweaters in this scene. Yeah. <laughs> they're clearly on the same page. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think that they're just really best, best friends. Yeah. Yeah. So Daniel then ends up taking Sam, like, to this bench. They sit out. They look at the water. And he's like, okay, can you, like, tell me what's going on? And Sam is like, you know, do you really want to know? And he's like, yes, I do. And Samuel is like, well, the truth is I'm in love. And he's like, what? He's like, yeah, I know that like mom just died and I should be thinking about that. And I am sad about that, but I'm in love. And I was before she died and like, there's nothing I can do about it. And Daniel's like, okay, well, I'm a a little bit relieved right now because I thought it was something worse. And Sam is like, worse than the total agony of being in love. And Daniel's like, you know what? You're not like, wrong there. I thought you were injecting <laughs> heroin into your eyeballs. He's like, I thought you were consumed with grief, but it turns out you're just yeah. in love. A uh, young 14 But it turns out you year old? totally I forgot about your 12. mother who just passed away. 12? I think this oh man gosh. looks very young. 12? Or this boy looks very young. He was in Game of Thrones too, and I don't think he's gotten much taller. I like, think very... that he – I think he was 14 when they shot this because there was only like a three or four-year age difference between him and Kira Knightley, which is fucking insane. Crazy. Um, what? I'm yeah. sorry. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. With that four- kid? Yeah. He was 14 when they shot this, and Kira was like 17. Yeah. No. But they do have him playing like – 12 or 13. Yes, because he also played a 13-year-old on Game of Thrones when he was, like, in his 20s. 
So he it looks very, very young. That's so wild. <laughs> yeah. Um, Let me just do some research. I mean, you, y'all go y'all go off, Queens, <laughs> but what the literal fuck? <laughs> no, it's it's insanity. It's insanity. Yeah. Okay, so this was 2003. Mm-hmm. It's also kind of like remember in high school when like boys looked so much smaller than all the girls. Yeah. Like it's like that to an exaggerated degree for okay. sure. Yes. So she was 18. Okay. When this movie happened. She's born in 1985. Yeah. So she might have been 17 when they shot it. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Her birthday's yeah. in March. So she could have been. Yeah. 17, 18, 18. Around there. And then what is this kid's name? The kid from Nanny McPhee. Yeah. That's what I know him from. <laughs> I don't know his name. I just want to say that there is a five-year age difference mm-hmm. between the kid um, who plays Sam and Juliet, Karen Knightley, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to justify this by like – so in the movie, he's not 15. He's supposed to be like really young. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I can imagine like you look very different from when you're 15 to when you're 20. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I'm trying to keep that in mind, but like, holy fucking shit, they make them look 20 years apart. Yeah. They really do. It's pretty crazy. There's no good way to transition here. <laughs> it's, it's all good. Don't worry about it. Here we go. Here we go. Um, so now we're back at the office. It's nighttime. We're working late. I hope they're getting mm. overtime. Probably not. They're a little old for it. Um, yeah. But. Sarah's putting on her makeup at her desk because she sees Carl leaving for the night. And I'm a little wistful uh, here because I'm like, mm. to have an office crush. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's been years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Carl tells her good night. And he's just <laughs> such like a hot, hot hottie. Yeah. He's got his little glasses on, like, rolling oh my up, God. like a big he's like working at his draft table. Like, oh, he's a designer. And, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, and so he tells her good night and she's like, night, Carl. And then she gets a <laughs> phone call and she tells she's like she answers it. And she's like, hey, babe, and you're like, who is this? Who is she talking to? Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm far away. Free as a bird. Mystery. And yes. then after this um we cut to jamie who i believe is in the french countryside yes, um, yeah. and he opens up his cottage that you know he needed to escape to presumably he broke up with his girlfriend because yes. he tells himself ah, alone again naturally naturally mm-hmm. <laughs> so we cut to the prime minister and natalie Natalie brings the prime minister some papers and he starts asking her about his life. He's like, I just think it's so weird that you're working for me and I don't know anything about you. And he's like, where do you live? And she's like, Wadsworth, the doji end. And he's like, oh, do you, you know, live with a <laughs> husband or a boyfriend? And she's like, oh, I just split with my boyfriend, so I'm back with my parents, unfortunately. She's single. Single and ready to mingle. But, like, she tells us that her boyfriend told her that she was getting fat and no one would fancy a girl with thighs the size of tree trunks. And I'm like, this woman is very thin. Yeah. Like, there are – you told me that Emma Thompson is wearing a fucking fat suit in this. What the hell is that? Yeah, we were yeah. talking about this uh, before we recorded that they put Emma Thompson in a fat suit for this movie. 
because apparently because they thought she looked too thin to be a mom. I get I don't know. It's fucking weird. But there are so many like comments about Natalie's weight throughout this whole movie where they're like, oh, the chubby girl, like huge ass, like huge thighs. And I'm like, what is everybody talking about here? I would say it's the thing that ages the worst about this movie. Yes. It's like the horrible yeah. like fat phobia because it comes up with a couple mm-hmm. of other characters too. Yeah. Like, towards the end, I'm sure we'll like get to it. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's really disturbing actually. Yeah. She's a lovely girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just mad weird that they like included that because I was like, this doesn't really add to the movie. Like mm-hmm. they could have just done something else about her boyfriend being a jerk and then it yeah. would have had the same effect. Right. But, um, Anyways, the prime minister is like, oh, well, you know, does he know I'm the prime minister? I could have him murdered. Uh, Yes. So he says that and she leaves and then he looks um, over by the side of his desk on the wall. There's a picture of Margaret Thatcher. He's like, I bet you had this problem too, you saucy little minx. (laughs) Oh, Lord. So the next thing we know, we cut over to Daniel and Sam and Daniel's like, okay, so you're in love, you have this crush, tell me the deets. And Sam is like, well, she doesn't even know that I exist. Like, she doesn't know my name. She's the coolest girl in school. Everybody worships her. So she's heaven. Because she's heaven. Yes, she's heaven. I don't don't have a chance (laughs) with her. (laughs) Oh, poor kid. So then we cut over to Billy Mack. He is on uh, Ant and Deck. I don't know what the show is called, but I just know that they're like a duo in the UK. And it's like an MTV style show. And he's basically talking about how his competition for the Christmas number one is the boy band Blue. And I don't know if either of you are familiar with Blue, but... Oh, they're real. Yes, they're real. Yeah, I didn't even know they were real. (laughs) I didn't know that. Let me tell you. So they are like a boy band from the UK from like the late 90s, early 2000s. And Mm -hmm. I know of them because when I was living in Shanghai, we didn't have TV. And all of our DVDs were just like pirated DVDs that we could buy because it was the only way we could see movies. And one, Mm -hmm. uh, like a few different DVDs that we had were these DVDs of just music videos of UK pop stars. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Don't know why. There's a lot of like Atomic Kitten on there. There was like S Club 7, like all this kind of stuff. And Blue was on there. And so I'd watch like these Blue music videos when I was like between the ages of four and like seven. And oh was like obsessed with them. I thought they were the coolest. Like one of them was one of my first crushes. So they were kind of like the sync Backstreet Boys of the UK of the time that's like the vibe we're going for oh oh my Um, gosh if you want a playlist i can make you a little mix of blue's greatest hits but uh whoa i do still listen to their music to this day they're really great um but yeah billy is like oh you know what they were on the show last week and they were not very nice about my record and then on this like poster board behind him of the band blue he writes We've all got little pricks um, down there. <laughs> and the, they're like, oh, my God, Billy, like, there are children watching this show. And he's like, hey, kids, I got something to tell you. Don't buy drugs. Become a rock star and they'll give you to them free. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Classic. Wow. Oh, my gosh. And his manager, as always, is, like, rolling mm. his eyes oh. by the teleprompter. <laughs> Um, poor joe poor joe 
Well, now that it's my turn to speak on this story, I am going Mm. to confess that the Mark X, Peter X, Kira Knightley story was my favorite when I first watched this movie. Mm -hmm. We'll get Mm -hmm. to it later, but I think that's important to mention. Um, Explains a lot. But anyway, so (laughs) Mark, who I think it's worth mentioning is the Andrew Lincoln from The Walking Dead. Yes, the main guy, yes. I think it's Andrew Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Um, he's working at his art gallery where there's like all these Christmas themed semi nudes <laughs> on yeah. the wall. Like mm-hmm. it's like a pair of like boobs shot like underside with like mm-hmm. Santa hats on the nipples and like a bunch of bare butts. Yeah. Um, and so he's working there and like he's yelling at the little British schoolgirls, being like, please don't laugh at it. It's art. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, Andrew. And then um, he's talking to Peter, who again, worth noting is, I'm going to say his name incorrectly and I apologize, but Chiwetel Ejiofor, Mm -hmm. um, who was in 12 Years a Slave and the Doctor Strange movies. So like the talent in this movie just keeps coming, like even Mm -hmm. in these like lesser storylines. It's pretty nuts. And they were like relative unknowns at the time. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is so crazy um, because now they're in big stuff. Um, But uh, Bestie Peter uh, calls and he's like, whatever, chatting with him. And he's like, "Um, can I patch through Juliet because she has a favor to ask? And he's like, "Uh, yeah. And Peter tells Mark to be nice. So we catch that there's a weird vibe between them. And yes. Juliet um, is sitting in her design studio. There's like mannequins behind her and she's clearly like a fashionista. And um, she tells Mark, who's like very uncomfortable on the phone. She's like, oh, I need the wedding video. Um, do you, I saw you recording a lot on the day. Um, everything I got back uh, turned out horrible. And she's like, <laughs> in the bag here nightly, but she's like, <laughs> I just want a shot that's not of me all blue and wibbly. Um, it's all in the jaw tension. It's all in the jaw tension, baby. Um, and yeah, wibbly, new word. And she's like, "Can I see some of your stuff?" And he's like, "I might have wiped it, so don't get your hopes up." And he like doesn't say yes, he doesn't say no, and Mm -hmm. that's that conversation. (laughs) Very Mm -hmm. uncomfortable. Yeah. Um. So back in the office. Harry asks Sarah about her progress with Carl and she's like, it's done. Fuck it. Like it will never be. And she thinks he's too good for her, but Sarah is like saved by the bell. I don't know why she's saved by the bell. Her phone rings. Her phone. Ah, classic. Okay. Mm -hmm. So her phone rings. Then Harry checks in with Mia about the party planning, and she's like, I found a venue through a friend. It's an art gallery full of dark corners for doing dark deeds. Ugh. I would just be like, I'm going to get fired. Like, to be so bold. Yeah. It's so gross, and she, like, spreads her, like, knobby knees, and yes. she's like, it's like, <laughs> like, that really puts it over the edge for me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, girl. Like, there's nothing wrong with being horny, but, like, I think that's incredibly unprofessional. You could yes. be talking about yeah. Carl for all I know, but then if you're doing that in front of me, your boss, I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I, clear. I personally can't imagine, like, ever saying that it, to anybody, but being like, it's full of dark corners for doing dark deeds, but especially, like, a boss. Like, that's so fucking weird. Yeah. 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 
But uh, in, a, in a more wholesome context, we then go over to the cottage in <laughs> France where Jamie answers the door and this woman, you know, is there. I assume she's like the owner of the house that he rents it from or something like that. It's kind of unclear. Mm-hmm. But he's like, oh, yeah, I'm back again. And she's like, oh, do you have like a lady with you? And he's like, no, um, the lady is gone. I am alone again. And she's like, well, I have a wonderful new housekeeper that I have hired. This is Aurelia. And he starts to try and speak to her in French. But she's like, oh, no, no, she doesn't speak French like you. Uh, She only speaks in Portuguese. (laughs) And so he tries to speak to her in Portuguese, but man knows nothing. All he knows is like the name of one football player. And she's like, I think that this girl is too young to even know who you're talking about. There's quite an age difference. Yeah, it's kind of unclear what it is because they don't look like super far apart, but it's kind of yeah insinuated yeah. that she's maybe like mid-20s and he's like mid-30s maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd buy yeah. that. And basically this woman is like, oh, and at the end of the day, can you drive Aurelia home? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. So then we cut to the end of the day when he's driving her home and he's trying to speak to her again in Portuguese being like, oh, like – Bella, uh, bello, bella, uh, and like referencing like the mountains, but she understands nothing. So he's like, no, right. Silence. Uh, silence is golden. Um, and just kind of like rambles on and starts talking about like Frankie Valley and all this stuff. And she's just sitting there and he just says to himself like, oh, shut up. Cause he's <laughs> making a fool, but she can't understand him. So yeah you know head bitch in charge here did not do much to instill confidence in him though because she's like no. straight roasting him yeah. like the whole time <laughs> yeah he's, he's roasted like, and toasted yeah like, she doesn't speak french just like you like it's mm-hmm. very like <laughs> ouch yeah. he also says something later on she's like oh what is that turkish she's so mean to him yeah. like <laughs> it's pretty brutal wow um so Cue the presidential theme song because Billy Bob mm. Thornton's in the house as the president of the United States. And yeah. he's visiting the prime minister. He rolls up in a much nicer car mm-hmm. and um, he walks in. He's greeted by the prime minister who tells um, and the president's like, so sorry, my wife couldn't make it. <laughs> the prime minister's like, oh, yeah, like she would have been bored anyway. Like it's hard for me to pin a girl down like she wouldn't have had a friend to talk to or something like mm. that. So they're walking up the steps and they encounter Natalie, who's like holding some papers, like clearly going somewhere. And the president says, like, hi, uh, I hope that we can see more of each other and like the joining of our great nations or something weird. And she just kind of giggles like she really yeah. laughs it off. Like she's clearly so uncomfortable. And he's like, yeah. when she walks away, he's like, "Ooh, baby, do you see those pipes on that one? Like, what a pretty little thing. Like. Instantly a creep, like kind of yeah. doing Southern light, clearly giving us Bill Clinton. Yeah. And um, yeah. Billy Bob Thornton does look good in this role. He looks hot. Bad Santa looks great. <laughs> Bad <laughs> Santa is looking good. Great movie. Great movie. Never better. Never oh better. Bad Santa. Lauren Graham. Yeah, I'm thinking Bad Santa is a good movie. <laughs> Next year, guys. Um, and oh so, my gosh. kidding. It's a little. <laughs> But um, anyway, the prime minister, in response to that, like, horrible comment is like, yeah, she's terrific at her job, which is like, again, wholesome content only from this prime minister. Yes. Um, 
So then we're in this boardroom and the US and the UK like representatives are negotiating about policies. The US is unyielding. Again, this is a very nondescript political drama. Yeah. Like we're not trying to get like all house of cards up in here. No, no, Wrong no. Reference. I don't, I don't yeah. know. I don't know any president shows the scandal. No. Um, so afterwards, <laughs> um, the president and the prime minister have a nice little drink by the fire. And the president says, I know I was firm, but I have plans for my term and I intend to see them through. And he's like, I'll give you anything I want as long as it's on my terms. And he's yeah. just like being such oh. a dick. Like mm-hmm. he's being really rude to nice little like, like Hugh Grant. And <laughs> <Yeah>. so like, <laughs> um, he's like, one thing we need to discuss, like, excuse me, he's got to go get like papers to reference. So Natalie walks in with the tea. He does like a goony little wave and he's like, oh, what did I just do? And then <laughs> he walks in and the president is like, inches away from Natalie's face, like tucking yeah. her like gorgeous yeah. 2003 side slip bangs like behind mm. her ears. And yeah. it's just like weird. Like you can tell he's cornering her. Um, yeah. It's so uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. It's super cringe and it's just like weird to watch. And it's like, he's trying to kiss her almost. Um, and she like walks out of the room when Hugh Grant walks in and he like obviously catches it happening and the president mm-hmm. is like again like i hope to see more of you Ugh. just cringe 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 bad yeah. bad, bad all bad yes. Yes. absolutely so then we go to the next day they have the press conference with the president both of them go up to their podiums and they start answering some questions first they ask the president like how the meeting was how the relationship is and He's like, you know, we have a very special relationship, yada, yada, yada. And then the prime minister is like, I love that word relationship covers all manner of sins, doesn't it? I fear that this has become a bad relationship, a relationship based on the president taking what he wants and casually ignoring all those things that really matter to Britain. We may be a small country, but we're a great one too. The country of Shakespeare, Churchill, the Beatles, Sean Connery, Harry Potter, and David Beckham. David Beckham's right foot. (laughs) And his left foot. (laughs) Um, And yeah, his left foot come to that. And a friend who bullies is no longer a friend. And since bullies only respond to strength, from now onward, I will be prepared to be much stronger. And the president should be prepared for that. So he's really making some bold claims out here. And Absolutely. you can also see um, Natalie in the audience. It's very much clear that she feels uncomfortable and he can see that. And he's like, I need to stand up for what's right right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, it's great that he's like standing up for this woman who is harassed. But I'm also like... You weren't willing to stand up to this man, though, when he was, like, doing things that were bad for your country. Um, But only when he, like, hit on this woman that you're like, you're like, hang on a second. Now I got to lay down the law. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, hey, hey. (laughs) It's like very Batman, like, no, it's personal. Like, (laughs) (laughs) He's like, save the hospital or save Rachel? Right. Rachel. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Where's Rachel? Where's Rachel? Oh, my gosh. 
So the aftermath of this, the press is all like very excited. Everybody is like running on adrenaline. Um, the prime minister gets a call from his sister and we learn that his sister is Karen, Dave Emma Thompson. Oh my gosh. And she's like, have you lost your damn mind? What have you done? And he's like, oh my gosh, I'm getting another call. See you never. Bye. And hangs up on her. <laughs> Smell and you later, she, bitch. Yeah. And she says, she's like, you know, being the prime minister's sister really puts my life into perspective. Today, he fought for our country, whereas I made a paper mache lobster head. And she is speaking to who? Her husband. Who is who? <gasps> Harry, a.k.a. Alan Snape. Rickman. Yep. <laughs> wow. Yep. First scene where it all comes together. Mm-hmm. We're really, we're mm-hmm. connecting the dots. We're sowing the I seeds. I shooketh. You know, when yeah. the dots started connecting. Oh, yeah, because I guess you got to see everything slowly come together for the first time. Yeah. I mean, I didn't – I figured it would come together, but, like, I didn't mm. anticipate – I didn't know exactly what was going to happen. Honestly, mm. I'm surprised this wasn't spoiled for me. But, yeah, yeah I didn't really know what was going to happen at all. So her husband, Harry, is like, what are we listening to? And it's Joni Mitchell And Karen Mm. is like, oh, I love her. You should be grateful for her. Like, she is the woman who taught your cold English wife how to feel. And he's like, well, I ought to thank her then. Then we cut back to the prime minister who is riding on this high. And on the radio, they dedicate the song Jump For My Love to him. They're like, a golden oldie for a golden oldie. And he does this little dance throughout his house. (laughs) He starts in his bedroom. He makes his way down the stairs. We see him like scooting between doorways. It's very charming and cute. I know that Hugh Grant did not want to do this and thought it would not play well. But I think it's a great addition, personally. It played well. Like one of the best well, parts. Mr. Grant. Yeah, yeah, it's iconic. Yeah. So good. So he's he's dancing away. He's feeling himself, and that's when he is walked in on by a staff member, and he's like, "Oh yes, uh, I would like to reschedule the uh, Japan call for four o'clock. Does that work? Great, thank you." And walks away. <laughs> Saving face, you. Yes. <laughs> Um, so we're back in France. We cut to the cottage where Jamie and Aurelia, um, his housekeeper, are speaking to each other in Portuguese and English, English and Portuguese, respectively. And mm-hmm. um, she's like clearing off his mugs as his phone begins to ring. And I'm sorry to be snarky, but like my question here is how fucking filthy sloppy is this man that he needs a housekeeper like <laughs> all day? Like, yeah, it's just him. And she's like there all day. Like, I literally never thought about it, but you are correct. He is one man in one cottage and he needs a full time housekeeper. You know, not to like side with the upper echelon, but he is working all day. Right. He's like writing a novel. So he's like, Mm. I'm not getting up to make tea. And like, I don't work in an office like I'm investing in my Mm. You know, like you don't clean your office. Like imagine every night you had to like clean your office. So, you know, he's probably not doing his own laundry. She's probably doing the laundry, doing the dishes, making him food. He's creating jobs out here. It's a lap of luxury. Absolutely. That's true. That's That's a good point. That is a great point. But I'm like, how much downtime does she have? Like, what does her day look like? You know, I, I also mean? get this sense that it's like a really big cottage. 
Like it's kind of like yeah. that villa in Call Me By Your Name. Oh, oh true. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. And she's probably also like cooking all of his meals. So it's more mm. of like more than just like a cleaning service. It's like a full like I think she's like the woman like of the a house, butler. Or like the house. Yeah. Yeah, like the true house like person. Mm-hmm. You know what? You guys just answered a burning question. <laughs> so I really appreciate it. I'm like, yeah. Monica, picture it. We have gigantic houses. Like, wouldn't you want someone cleaning them for you all day long? I just can't like, picture You really put it into perspective. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> like, absolutely. Yep. Thanks, girls. Um, <laughs> Thanks, girl bosses. <laughs> Goals, am I right? Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, the phone rings uh he can't find it she hands it to him like clearly he needs her um and mm-hmm. so outside he is type type typing away in his little typewriter and she makes him a cup of tea brings it out and when she like goes to like take away the old one which he stupidly put his tea on top of all of his papers they all go flying up and he loses like his whole manuscript and they're freaking out and he's like oh my God, no, no, no. And he's like, woof. and she's like running to the end of the pier. He's sitting waterside, which is important. Mm-hmm. And um, she like freaks out and she's like, no, no, no. And so she runs to the edge of the pier. She starts stripping. Like the music gets really Very like, readily. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. she's like <laughs> going in and yeah. she like takes out all of her clothes and the music swells and like, it goes really slow. We like pan and linger on her tramp stamp. Like it's very, yep. like it's very dramatic. And she jumps in and he's like, Oh God, she's in. And then <laughs> she like goes and she's like, he's like, Oh my God, he's, she's going to think, sorry, I'm really like screwing up my pronouns right now. I'm very college oh, birthday. Happens all the time. Frantic. <laughs> He's freaking out. He's like, she's going to think I'm a total spaz if I don't go in after her. So he jumps in and they're like fishing for these papers. And they have this like bilingual back and forth where, you know, he she's like, what kind of writer doesn't make copies in Portuguese? And he's like, I really should do copies. And oh, I love that between them. <laughs> oh, it's so good. And he's like, or she's like, um, you know, oh, watch out for the eels. And he's like, oh, my God, what is that? And then um, <laughs> I think that she says, like, this better be freaking good again in Portuguese. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, it's not bloody Shakespeare. It's not worth it. <laughs> That's so good. From the beginning, he's like, please don't go in. Like, it's really better that these have been destroyed anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no confidence. she's like, I better not drown over your fucking garbage writing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. For death by eel (laughs) oh my gosh i did read though that apparently the water was so shallow that they're on their knees in that scene oh Oh, so they do a great job of looking like they're actually swimming they really Um, do yeah Yeah, it's pretty pretty stellar back inside after this whole fiasco um jamie brings aurelia some tea and she's wrapped in a blanket and he's like I can name one of my characters after you. And then in Portuguese, she's like, you should name one of your characters after me. And they have this back and forth. I'm sorry, I'm like ill. So like my throat sounds, I sound like I'm a boy going through puberty. But um, (laughs) so she begins to guess what genre of book he's writing. And she's like mimicking like crying or like ha ha ha. And he's like, boom, boom. Like it's a thriller. It's like, you know, an adventure, 
or mystery Crime, chiller type murder, novel. Mystery, yeah. Exactly. And um they like chat a little. It's like very cute how they communicate. And then afterwards she gets up and she indicates like, you know, are you going to drive me home later? And he's like, absolutely. And he's like, oh, I love this part. Yeah. He's like, it's my favorite time of day driving you home. And in Portuguese, she says, it's the saddest part of my day leaving you. Uh, Unbelievable. So good. I will say like this watch around because like Monica was saying, like your kind of like favorite storylines will always change whenever you watch this. Mm -hmm. And this time around, like the Jamie Aurelia one really stood out to me and I really enjoyed it. And I've always liked it, but it was definitely like one of my favorites in this watch around for sure. Yeah. I think it's the most truly romantic one just Mm -hmm. because they transcend language and like that connection is so strong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they do get in the car and Jamie drives her home and as they're driving, they just like both keep looking at each other and just missing when they look at each other until they do finally make eye contact and we're like, oh my gosh, and turn away. It's very charming to watch. Mm -hmm. So then we go back to the UK where Mark is in his home. He's watching TV. Billy is on there doing his thing. And that is when Juliet rings the doorbell. She's there with some banoffee pie. And he's like, no, thanks. I'm good. And she's like, well, good thing you said no, because it would have broken my heart if you said yes. And she's like, I was just passing through the neighborhood and I wanted to check in on that whole like wedding video thing. Like, do you have the footage? And he's like, oh, you know, I looked for it. Couldn't find it anywhere. And she's like, so I know you've never warmed to me. Like, obviously, you don't really like me. You don't have to argue. I know that's the case, but I would really like for us to be friends. And he's Mm -hmm. like, absolutely. I just don't know where that video is. And so she finds – wait, first I want to ask you guys about banoffee pie Mm because I don't know what that is. I don't know what the hell that is. I assume it's like a banana coffee pie. Oh, that sounds awful. Ew. Well, cause like, cause like banana and chocolate is a very natural combo. So I assume yeah. it's like a banana chocolate coffee type of thing. Ooh, that'd be my shame. assumption. If anyone, Hold if on, any I'm listeners out there are familiar with banoffee pie, let us know if it's good. Oh, it's a um, banana and toffee. Oh, toffee. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Mm-hmm. There we go. It's an English dessert pie made from bananas, cream, and a thick caramel sauce. Oh, that would be combined good. either oh. on a buttery biscuit or it sounds kind of like um, a Boston cream pie, but with toffee. Ah, that there good. we go. Mystery yeah. solved. Crucial. Okay, so mm-hmm. <laughs> um, she ends up Juliet ends up finding this video, and she's like, "Oh, could it be this one labeled?" Uh, Peter and Juliet's wedding and he's like oh mm-hmm. I probably like taped over it with West Wing or something like, <laughs> yeah. like that and so she pops it into the VHS player she's like and there's a beautiful shot of them at the altar and she's like oh mm-hmm. bingo and um, she's watching it and like you kind of start to get the sense that it's all shots of Juliet like yeah her because looking- it's all shots of her <laughs> And she starts to get the sense and she's realizing this in real time and she looks radiant, you know, she's like, oh, I look quite pretty. Mm -hmm. And then um, when like the first minute she's a little clued in, I think she says something like, well, you stayed quite close, haven't you? Like very like, you know, and um, 
by the end, which it is like her dancing with Peter, it's her like <laughs> licking cake off her fingers, like, mm. and then it ends with her like on this ferry that presumably is like taking them away to like their honeymoon or whatever. Mm. And she just looks yeah. so like vibrant and youthful and she's like, yeah. and oh my God. <laughs> To be fair, he is an artiste. These are lovely shots of her. Yes, um, they're very nice. Like, mm-hmm. context aside, um, and mm-hmm. it's dawning on her, and he's standing behind her just, like, transfixed by it. And yeah. she's like, oh, these are all of me, aren't they? Imagine being that surprised as a person, like, realizing someone is in love with you. I think that's why this was my favorite plot line when I was 16. Like, mm, sure. like yeah. I was like, you know what I mean? Where I was like, yeah. I want someone to look at me like that and like mm. me like that. And I was like, yeah. oh, that's it's, so romantic. It's the yearning. Like, that's why period dramas are so enticing. It's the yearning and the not being mm. able to have the thing, you know? Definitely. And it's very much like, I think like as a girl who like, really didn't like date in high school it was like Mm -hmm. oh I just want someone who loves me and wants me you know it was very much like that level of like Mm -hmm. desire to be desired Um, totally and so she's confused though this woman with a husband who is his best friend is confused Mm -hmm. and she's like yeah but you never liked me. And he's just like weird about it. And he's like, yeah, uh, don't show it around too much. It needs a little bit of editing. Um, As it is fully edited <laughs> just for his own enjoyment. And he's like, it's a, a self-preservation thing. And he's like, um, you can show yourself out. And so <laughs> he walks out. <laughs> and it's the most like... I heard this song playing in a CVS once and I could only picture this scene. And like, (laughs) he like walks out. He has like one of those like, like quarter zip turtlenecks that like folds over and he like, Mm -hmm. which is important. He walks out and he like goes to go back, but then he goes back to the street. He goes to go back. He turns back to the street and he's like, oh, fuck it. I'm just going to leave her there. And he zips up and folds over his turtleneck in one swift motion and walks away. And it's like the most dramatic thing I've ever seen. And it's like a Dido song playing in the background. (laughs) I am what I am. It's like very, like, like, freaking intense. And he, like, walks over to, like, the town square that he conveniently lives on, and he, like, mm-hmm. yeah. like crouches in the street and screams He's and, like, like ah! scares the <laughs> shit out of this poor man, like, just doing his Christmas shopping. It's just, like... <laughs> Ooh, Mark? Yeah. Mark's a little aggro here. Um, it's pretty so wild. dramatic. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> really? Really? 